0: Welcome back to the MedBullets Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of other restrictive etiologies from the respiratory section on MedBullets.com. Let's begin this episode with our first topic of collagen vascular disease. Collagen vascular diseases include systemic lupus erythematosus, rheumatoid arthritis, which involves rheumatoid lung disease, and systemic sclerosis, or scleroderma, Systemic lupus erythematosus involves pleuritis and pleural effusions. Rheumatoid arthritis and rheumatoid lung disease involves pleuritis and pleural effusions, and you may also see pulmonary fibrosis in a restrictive pattern along with bilateral diffuse appearance on chest radiograph and may progress to a honeycomb lung in severe disease. In terms of clinical presentation, it presents with gradual onset of dyspnea, and inspiratory rails at the lung base, and lung biopsy, which would show patchy interstitial lymphoid infiltrate into walls of the alveolar units. Note that it is not associated with rheumatoid nodules in the lung. This finding is associated with Kaplan syndrome. And the last collagen vascular disease is systemic sclerosis, or scleroderma. This may also present with Crest syndrome, which is a variant of scleroderma. Systemic sclerosis may also result in interstitial fibrosis due to deposition of collagen. It is triggered by increased TGF-beta-secreting T-cells accumulating in the lungs. It is mainly involved in capillaries and small arterioles. It may lead to pulmonary hypertension and core pulmonale. The next set of restrictive etiologies include iatrogenic causes. These include drug-associated causes and radiation-induced lung injury. Drug-associated causes include anti-cancer agents and antiarrhythmics. Anti-cancer agents include bleomycin and busulfan, methotrexate, nitrosuria, and cyclophosphamide. Antiarrhythmics include amiodarone. Radiation-induced lung injury includes post-treatment pneumonitis, which occurs one to six months following radiation treatment and is associated with fever, dyspnea, and pleural effusions, and radiation fibrosis, which occurs 6 to 12 months following treatment. This involves dyspnea, nonproductive cough, fine crackles, and pulmonary fibrosis on chest radiograph. The next set of causes are occupational causes. These include silicosis, silophillers disease, bisonosis, and farmer's lung. Silicosis is associated with occupational exposures of sandblasting, mining, and stone fabrication. Silofiller's disease is associated with hypersensitivity pneumonitis to nitrogen oxide gases that are released by plant matter. Bicinosis is associated with hypersensitivity pneumonitis to textile dust, including cotton, hemp, and linen. And finally, farmer's lung involves hypersensitivity pneumonitis to saccharophilispera rectivergula, which are thermophilic actinomyces. This is found in moldy hay and is a type 3 hypersensitivity reaction with antigen antibody complex depositing in the lung. It can become a type 4 hypersensitivity reaction with chronic exposure. And next up is idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. This is the most common group of idiopathic interstitial pneumonia. It involves chronic alveolitis with no known cause. It is persistent inflammation that results in fibrosis due to fibroblast proliferation and cyst formation that is most prominent in the subpleural regions or the lower lungs predominantly. It is typically seen in men between 40 to 70 years old and requires transplant at most advanced stages. In terms of clinical presentation, you would see dyspnea on exertion as the most common symptom and gradual onset of dry cough, which is a sign of subpleural cystic enlargement due to honeycomb lung. The diagnosis can be made by an HRCT if the underlying causes are excluded, for example, surgical lung biopsy showing usual interstitial pneumonia, or UIP. And finally, pulmonary alveolar proteinosis is an idiopathic pathology where proteinaceous material fills the alveoli. This pathological phenomenon can be caused by primary or idiopathic or secondary, which are infectious or malignancy-related causes. In terms of the pathophysiology, there is a defect in the clearance through macrophages or production of surfactant. Macrophage defect and atypical infections are sometimes seen in this pathology. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 59-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with a five-month history of breathing difficulties. He says that he has been experiencing exertional dyspnea that is accompanied by a nonproductive cough His past medical history is significant for a solitary lung nodule that was removed surgically 10 years ago and found to be benign. He works as a secretary for a coal mining company, does not smoke, and drinks socially with friends. His family history is significant for autoimmune diseases. Physical exam reveals fine bibasilar inspiratory crackles in both lungs, and laboratory testing is negative for antinuclear antibody and rheumatoid factor. Which of the following is associated with the most likely cause of this patient's symptoms? 1. Anti cancer agents, 2. Interstitial lymphoid infiltrates in the lung tissue, 3. Proteinaceous material in the alveoli, 4. Subpleural cystic enlargement, or 5. Type 3 hypersensitivity reaction. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, subplural cystic enlargement. This 59-year-old male patient with slowly progressive dyspnea, dry cough, and no sign of associated causes, such as occupational exposures or causative drugs, most likely has idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which would present with subplural cystic enlargement. Remember, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is most commonly seen in men between the ages of 40 to 70. It presents with chronic alveolitis with no known cause resulting in a restrictive lung disease. Persistent inflammation in this disease results in fibroblast proliferation and subsequent lung fibrosis. Furthermore, the disease presents with cyst formation that is most prominent in subpleural regions. It is important to rule out other potential causes of restrictive lung disease such as autoimmune diseases, occupational causes, drug-induced causes, and pulmonary alveolar proteinosis. Once these underlying causes are excluded, diagnosis can be made with high resolution computed tomography. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer Choice 1 Anti cancer agents can lead to drug induced pulmonary fibrosis. However, this patient's lung nodule was found to be benign, and there is no evidence that he took any drugs that would induce fibrosis. Answer Choice 2 Interstitial lymphoid infiltrates in the lung tissue can be seen with autoimmune causes of restrictive lung disease. However, this patient tested negative for serum autoantibodies. Answer choice 3. Proteinaceous material in the alveoli is associated with pulmonary alveolar proteinosis. However, this patient's presentation is more consistent with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And finally, answer choice 5, type 3 hypersensitivity reactions are associated with occupational causes of restrictive lung disease. However, this patient's occupation as a secretary makes it unlikely that he was persistently exposed to agents that cause pneumonitis. In summary, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis causes cyst formation in the subpleural regions and has no known cause. Next question. A 52-year-old man presents to his primary care physician because he has been experiencing shortness of breath and cough. He began feeling short of breath when playing recreational soccer with his friends. Over time, these episodes have become more severe. They now impair his ability to work as a construction worker. In addition, he has developed a chronic dry cough that has been increasing in intensity. Radiography reveals subpleural cystic enlargement and biopsy reveals fibroblast proliferation in the affected tissues. Which of the following describes the mechanism of action for a drug that can cause a similar pattern of pulmonary function testing as would be seen in this disease? 1. dihydrofolate reductase inhibitor 2. microtubule inhibitor 3. purine analog 4 pyrimidine analog, or 5, xanthine oxidase inhibitor. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, dihydrofolate reductase inhibitor. This patient with shortness of breath, dry cough, and subpleural cystic enlargement most likely has idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which would present with a restrictive lung disease pattern on pulmonary function tests. This pattern can also be seen as a side effect of methotrexate, a dihydrofolate reductase inhibitor. Remember, restrictive lung diseases are characterized by restricted lung expansion due to either poor breathing mechanics, such as neuromuscular weakness and chest wall limitation, or interstitial lung diseases such as idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis or pneumoconiosis. The key finding in all restrictive lung diseases is reduced lung volumes during the normal respiratory cycle. Two of the important lung volumes to pay attention to are total lung capacity, or TLC, which represents the total volume of the lung, as well as forced vital capacity, or FVC. Pulmonary function tests in restrictive lung diseases will present with decreased TLC and FVC. Some drugs that can induce restrictive lung disease include methotrexate, bleomycin, and amiodarone. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice two... Microtubule inhibitors such as taxanes and vinca alkaloids can cause peripheral neuropathy and myelosuppression. However, they would not lead to restrictive lung disease. Answer choice three, purine analogs such as 6-mercaptopurine can cause GI and liver toxicity as well as myelosuppression. However, they would not lead to restrictive lung disease. Answer choice four, pyrimidine analogs such as citerabine can cause megaloblastic anemia leukopenia, and thrombocytopenia. However, they would not lead to restrictive lung disease. And finally, answer choice 5, xanthine oxidase inhibitors, such as allopurinol, can lead to drug rash and increased accumulation of other drugs. However, they would not lead to restrictive lung disease. In summary, methotrexate, bleomycin, busulfan, and amiodarone can cause drug-induced restrictive lung disease. And that's all for this review about other restrictive etiologies. Hopefully, that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 Podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullet Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.